0: joining me um, and sharing your expertise. Can you tell us your name, your title, where you work, Um, and maybe introduce a little bit about what we're here to talk about today?
1: Great. Thank you, Leslie. So I'm Star Hardison. I'm with the Department of Defense Chief Information Office. I'll say DOD CIO from now on because it's a lot to say. Uh, I specifically work in the Workforce Innovation Directorate and within that directorate, I am the governance and policy chief. So I get to do the interesting work of writing the workforce policy, the cyber workforce policy, and then um, other other areas, uh, interactions uh, with Congress, GAO, um, the DOD inspector general, just to name a few. So it's a very interesting niche uh, that I'm in. Yeah, but
0: it's very impactful, like while it's niche, the cyber workforce specifically has been a struggle, not just for DOD, but for every federal agency. And I think for commercial companies too. Um, I know that DOD published the DOD Cyber Workforce Strategy earlier this year. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and what the goals of that strategy are and how it maybe influences some of the work you're doing into the policy
1: area? Right, so it was time to reinvigorate that document. And so the cyber workforce strategy we published in February, March timeframe of this year, very proud of this document. So and it lays out our goals are under four pillars, in order to be able to identify, recruit, retain and develop the best cyber workforce that we can in order to meet the the mission of the department. Um, So the point of the strategy it lasts from this year all the way through 2027 is just to lay out some clear goals and give us some guardrails and some guidelines of, of what uh, actions we want to get after and achieve to help best um, develop that workforce, support that workforce, uh, and ensure that we're recruiting great talent and keeping great talent. Uh, it also has a a wonderful implementation plan that goes with it, a complementary uh, piece that was just released in August. And so, as you know, from your time in uniform, you'll see strategic plans released, and they become these wonderful documents. And sometimes they don't actually um, get implemented, they don't get executed. So we added this implementation plan to go with it in order to, no kidding, outline what are all the actions that we want to take, assign some clear offices of primary and and coordinating responsibility to get after this. Um, we have broad support from across the department. So we have um, the other principal staff assistants that are on board with this, the Undersecretary of Defense for personnel and readiness, we have uh, the military services that have said, yes, we're all in and we're ready to to do what we can um, in order to support our cyber workforce. So I think the last number I set, I saw, the last number that I saw uh, with respect to vacancies across the department is approaching approximately 30,000 in the cyber workforce. So when you see a number like that, you say we've got to we've got to do something. And so having this strategy, having this implementation plan, and then having this broad support across the department means that we we can hopefully chip away at what that vacancy looks like and get us back to a number that has. That's smaller. That's much smaller. It should be smaller, so that um, so that we're we're able to do the mission that we've been uh, charged to do.
0: Yeah. No. That's uh, wow. Thirty thousand, and that seems you know on par with everyone else in the world struggling to find that cyber talent. So, before talking about your eighty-one forty and the the current initiatives, um, let's talk briefly about eighty-five seventy and what that was supposed to get after and how we are, how, we, you know, DOD has now moved to 8140 so we can like kind of walk through that transition because I don't know, at least I've not heard in circles, people talking about the impact of 8140. I think maybe it's been talked about for so long, like maybe a decade at the yeah. point and people either forgot that it was happening or now that it's out, don't think there's a change. So can you talk about what 8570 was um and then maybe introduce 8140
1: and, and we can talk about how 8140 is different. Sure, 85. sure, sure, sure. So, um eighty-five seventy is an oldie but goodie. I want to say it was released in approximately two thousand five. I think I was still in the Navy then. I think I was just a, a very junior lieutenant commander back then, and I remember I remember it because I was in the Navy's um, CIO office at the time, or their N six and had the opportunity to implement it from that perspective so 8570 um, its title was the information assurance workforce improvement program and it was a manual so and it gave the department um, direction on how to ensure our information assurance workforce was qualified to do the the work that they were assigned to do so it was um, two broad categories we had managers and technicians and at various levels within those categories levels one two and three being level one being um, entry level and level three being quite experienced and so we laid that out and required that there be certifications with those different designations i so if you were information assurance technician level one and you would need to have a certain certification a civilian certification in order to be qualified to do the work that you were assigned to and so those were certifications like a plus and security plus and network plus and and so CCna and so forth and you know not to to give any favoritism to anyone one vendor um but those those certifications were Required In order to be in those positions and doing those work is a requirement for military, it was for civilian and for contractors. And so within a certain period of time of encumbering a position, if you didn't hold that cert- certification, you were required to to get it. So but very narrowly focused information assurance workforce. And so now you fast forward to um, 8140 manual, uh, which is broadly focused on the entire cyber workforce. And so, and that's evolved over time, you know, that's 18 years between the release of these two different documents. And so the focus there is still on some sort of a qualification, but on a broader set of the workforce. So it's the cyber IT, cyber effects, cyber intelligence, um, AI and cloud and software engineering. I think I got all of those. And and with that, um, there's a requirement still to have some sort of a, a, a credentialing. And I'll say that word, or qualification is probably the better word. But the qualification isn't so much hinged on, you have to have this one certification and you have to go to this one vendor. We've given the department broad flexibility now. So you if you have been trained in it and can show that you can do the work, then you can be qualified. If you have education, you've gone to a college, you can be qualified. Um, if you have uh, so, you, if you have the certification, that's still valid too. You can be qualified, and if you have the, just the straight out experience, say you're the the person that gets behind the computer and YouTubes their video, their video, their way through everything and knows how to do the work and can show they can be do do the work, then you're qualified too. So um, so the the main difference is 8570, 8570 very much focused on the information assurance workforce, 8140 more broadly on the entire cyber workforce while giving more flexibility on how you can get that level of qualification to do the work.
0: Okay. And that is a great segue into the, I guess, I don't know if it's a document, um, but the DCWF, the framework that outlines all of the work roles that you're talking about, these, you know, IT professionals or the effects or the, the intelligence. So can you talk us through what the DCWF is and how it relates to eighty one forty? Sure. So,
1: um, in order to be qualified in all of these different positions somewhere somehow it has to be written down and we wrote those qualifications those knowledge skills abilities and tasks in the defense cyber workforce framework and so there's a coding schema and i believe there's about just over 70 cyber workforce codes now that you could be qualified to um, every person can have up to Three cyber workforce codes assigned to them. And so, and again, you have to be knowledgeable and capable to do the work in those work role codes. So um, again, they're they're categorized into those those different areas that I mentioned before: cyber IT, cybersecurity, cyber effects, cyber uh, Intel, data AI, and software engineering. And so, like I have one of them in front of me. So as an example. Let's say you're a, an ISSM, an Information Systems Security Manager. The work role code with that is number seven two two, and so if you go to our Defense Cyber Workforce Framework, you can look up what the knowledge, skills, and abilities are for that, and then how you can be qualified in that in that area with with respect to education, uh, training, and or experience. How can like from a
0: contractor perspective, because contractors have to be qualified on the first day of the contract. and since this is new, there's no like precedent for what's acceptable. How do contractors specifically demonstrate their qualification against this like matrix of qualification requirements?
1: right. So um there's a few things. First, uh, I'll back up with respect to eighty one forty. There's a grace period. so, I, we we knew that we couldn't release 81 to 40 on day one and say, okay, everybody be qualified. So with respect to the um, cybersecurity side of the house, there's a two-year phase-in transition time. So about early 2025 is when folks will first need to be qualified in that area. And then for the rest of the, the elements of the DCWF, there's a three-year phase-in period. So we realized Folks are just going to need time to, to, to A, digest it, and B, figure out the best way for their organizations to get at that. Um, so back to your question with respect to contractors. So th- there's a few things we need to still do to, to help our industry partners be ready. Uh, one of the things is there's an um, acquisition regulation that we're in the process of modifying. So right now it reads all things 8570. And so right now I can't hold industry accountable to 8140 standards yet because the acquisition regulation doesn't outline that just yet. So we're working on that right now to ensure that all that 8140 language is included in the acquisition regulations. And then once that's in place, then we'll be able to have our industry partners be um, accountable to that. So, we're going to rely on each company to be able to say, you know, if, if we need an ISSM and they're a contractor, we're going to rely on them to see what the knowledge, skills, and abilities, and tasks are and look at the credentials and the resume and the ability of that person to be able to say, hey, yes, this person's qualified or no, they're not. There's also another piece and that's Most of the time, our contract partners are actually physically working hip to hip with us, which means there's an opportunity just like for our military and civilian folks to get um, the -the on-the-job training, the joint qualifications that are usually required when you get into a new position, and then to also exhibit that they have the ability to do the work. So there's that piece that's also going to work hand-in-hand with that to ensure we have that Fully qualified workforce, whether they be military, civilian, or contractor. How do you anticipate this DCWF
0: and aligning to work roles? Um, how will that help you recruit and retain the the cyber professionals or the science the cyber talent that you're working for these you know thirty thousand vacancies? Um, how is DOD planning to use this eighty one forty in the DCWF to help with recruiting the right people for those
1: jobs? Right. So the, the great thing about outlining the knowledge, skills, and abilities and tasks in one place is it helps us to really describe the position descriptions well, as well as do the right job opportunity announcement. Uh, in the past, the, those JOA's job opportunity announcements may have been very a little vague, like we need a 2210 information technology specialist. Well, that, that could be, that could be a lot of things. So, but to be able to say, I need um, an information technology specialist that can do um, knowledge management or can do systems administration or can do whatever that work role looks like, we're able to get into that level of granularity. So not only does it help us to really say we understand the work that we're doing, but we're able to describe it to a potential candidate and so that they can actually look at their own resumes their own curriculum vitae and say, yeah, I, I'm actually qualified to do this work. I'm interested in this kind of work. Yeah, I, I think that's um, totally
0: helpful because I'm actually using the NCWF, the NICE framework to help with, you know, postings at, at my job to make sure that I'm getting the right people with the right qualifications. So I think mm-hmm. that is what would be immensely helpful, um, making sure you get the right people and that they're applying for the job that they think they're applying for. Um, yeah. it's Bait and switch sometimes, or you know, you think you're getting into one thing and it's something else. Um, oh. Do you
1: have any I'll, And I'll let me wiggle into right quick because you brought up something the NICE framework. So we foundationally are built off of the NICE framework in the Department of Defense, but we've taken it a little further because while a NICE framework is meant for the, the entirety of the federal workforce and for them to be able to describe their cyber workforce. There's some areas where we're truly unique that we do certain work roles, certain work elements that just aren't performed in the rest of the federal government. So, but the other thing that's nice, nice about NICE and nice about the DCWF is that if I'm an ISSM within Department of Defense and say I should decide to go someplace else within the federal government, I should be pretty qualified to do that work wherever I go within the federal government because we're all working from that same lexicon, the same standards, and so we should be pretty interchangeable and plug and play throughout the workforce. Now, while ideally I want to retain every person (laughs) that comes in the door, so if you're a great talent, we want to keep you, but at the same time, if there's an opportunity for somebody to grow and develop in another part of the federal government, they should be able to do that easily and be able to take their work role coding with them and say, I'm I'm already a 722. I can do this work. I did it here. It's very much like what you're doing here.
0: Very solid point. I totally missed because I, I've been so DOD centric that I forget that the civilian agencies sometimes have different lingo uh, entirely. So being able yeah. to create a lexicon across the entire federal government is incredibly helpful. Do you have um, an anticipated timeline on the acquisition regulation update just to give people something to track uh, for a timeline? Because you said that, you know, maybe early twenty twenty five for contractors to expect this. But if we could, you know, track a regulation, that would be, you know, more, not more helpful, but, you know, something that we can hang our hat on and say, oh, we're tracking this, you know, we see that it's
1: moving along. Yeah, that's a good question. So that's a um, that's a a piece that doesn't move fast, Um, but we are are working um, closely with our our partners in the acquisition and sustainment side of the Department of Defense to get that in that language into regulation. I gosh, I think I don't think I have a firm date yet. I want to say within the next year um, because it it it. Not only do we have to work within DOD, but we also have to work outside of DOD um, in order to get this into the acquisition regulation. So, it, it's it's not a fast moving train, unfortunately. So,
0: um, so contractors uh, should not expect to see this language
1: until the DFARS is updated with this requirement. Right. So we are working right now on a, a bit of a crosswalk to to say. Um, dear, dear industry partners, uh, 8570 used to say this. And parts of 8140 are somewhat similar. And so the pieces that say 8570 are, are this within 80, 8140. So continue to do these things that look like 8570. And then once we can broaden that to include all of the changes, then we'll, we'll get that into regulation. But that's at least, will be the the interim fix until we can get the whole thing into regulation.
0: And what do you think will be the biggest struggle for industry specifically to
1: implement the changes in eighty one forty? I want to I want to say that our industry partners always want to come to the table qualified to do the work. They bid on the work, they um, take the time to look for and hire employees in order to do that work, and so. Uh, I, I don't see it so much as a struggle for them to to find, you know, to find that talent and to to bring that to bear. Um, there, you know, there may be some pieces that are a little more challenging. So it's it's not just the information assurance workforce; it's everybody. But at the same time, the um, having a computer science graduate that's able to be a knowledge manager, like that's not a big leap, and having that education. The, the certification, the certificates, the apprenticeships even, um, to be able to do that work. I, I think we've made it easier. I'm hoping we've made it easier because we did want to provide that level of flexibility, not only for our industry partners, but for the entirety of the department. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, or I, I feel like DOD was the
0: only federal agency that had this really hard and fast certificate requirement with 8570. Like I, I don't think I saw it at any other agency where you had to have a SEC plus or a you know a CISSP. Other agencies were had kind of more flexible flexible qualifications. So is this DOD moving more in line with kind of the other federal
1: agencies? I think it's us just being responsive to what reality was actually showing us is that if you had um, as an so I'm 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 a Navy veteran. So if you had a sailor that went to an a-, a school or a C school where they learned a lot of this information in their in their training in order to be an information technology specialist to have them go back and and take a course that may have been um, somewhat expensive and then s- sit for a certification exam seemed redundant and seemed like a waste of their time like I already know this information and let me show you I can do it so it's 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 allowing for some flexibility rather than the more rigid direction that we had before. I, yeah, I think that is a really interesting aspect. I didn't,
0: I guess, realize until talking to you about this. So I appreciate gaining that understanding that it's it's more flexibility instead of um, adding. Because in my mind, when I looked at you know this. Potential like qualification matrix now for every work role. I was like, oh my goodness, they're, they're going to have to do seven different things instead of one, you know, and yeah. but understand that it's it allows it allows more flexibility and qualification. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I, I think yeah. that will definitely help with the 30,000 vacancies that DOD is facing and having to compete for the same talent that, you know, large tech companies and other federal agencies compete for. Um, are there other, are um, what other efforts are, you working on as you know the policy person for the cyber workforce are there other things that are in the pipeline that you can talk about that are also going to help alleviate this you know vacancy um a huge huge amount of vacancies or other efforts that
1: you're looking at to help with the cyber workforce right so um 8140 is um going to be ever present for us so it's definitely going to the, the one thing that i do with some regularity, is just the, the continuous look on how we can update and improve that instruction. Uh, a piece of DoD CIO that um, that I don't want to say broke apart, but we we saw that there was a need for a more concentrated effort was with the standup of the Chief Data and Artificial Intelligence Officer. So there's a lot of pieces that are missing now that they've stood up. And so just ensuring that um, that they're included in all of the policies and that uh, as we're define further defining what is the artificial intelligence workforce, what is the data workforce? what are the work roles that look that are associated with that, Just being a good partner with them and then ensuring that ensuring that the pieces involved with them are included in our policy.
0: No yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about um, about any of these topics that we haven't, like an angle thing or something that we haven't really addressed or that you think is interesting that people or industry would be interested
1: in? You know, the Department of Defense is very much interested in having the best and brightest uh, in our cyber workforce. And so we, we look at it from various angles, from from kindergarten all the way through um, the doctorate level. So we're we're interested in partnering with academia, we're interested in partnering with the local kindergarten class. We wanna make sure that, um, that everybody has broad exposure to the fact that the Department of Defense has a cyber workforce, that that, that workforce exists in uniform, but it also exists as a civilian, which I, I find many of my civilian counterparts don't realize that there's a civilian piece to the Department of Defense workforce. And so we're interested in exposing as many people as we can to what we do, how exciting our missions are, how important our missions are. And and we would we would love to we would love to have as many people who are interested in this kind of work come and be with us, whether they come with us for a short period of time as a reservist, whether they come as an industry partner through an exchange program, or whether they come to us through some sort of a pipeline, like our cyber scholarship program, where they, they earn a degree through us and then they get employed by us. So there's, um, there's, We have a a large swath and wide variety of programs available to identify, recruit, retain, and develop that workforce. And and, um, the department is keenly interested in having that strong defense cyber workforce. And so really thankful for the opportunity to be here today. And thank you for your interest in all that we're doing. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing all of this. I have some maybe gotcha
0: questions. Do you have a website or um, a place people can go to find out more uh, specifically about the cyber scholarship? Like I, I recall learning about it when I worked in DOD CIO, but I don't think I've ever met anybody who has done it. Um, where can people go who might be interested in in something like that?
1: Right, so if you go out to our cyber.mil website, so cyber um, Charlie yankee, bravo echo romeo.mil, M-I-L, Mike India Lima, Uh, That's our website. There's a link to our cyber scholarship program. It explains uh, what the program is. It explains when the application period opens. And uh, I think we even have a few testimonials out there from students who have applied for and, and then subsequently been hired, applied for the scholarship and then have subsequently been hired by the department. Um, Yeah, yeah. thank you for your time. This has been really helpful,
0: and congratulations on you know becoming a civilian because you know we were contractors together. So (laughs) yeah, it's great that you've you've uh, become a real boy now, as uh, Pinocchio would say. (laughs) Welcome to Defense TechCast, your deep dive into CMMC, CUI, and all of the cybersecurity hot topics affecting the defense space today. Brought to you by ClearanceJobs.com.